Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton. And today I have a guest that I have collaborated with multiple times since I started. Many times. Embodied. Yeah, we, we're like, we go way back, OGs of the <laughs> you know, relationship anxiety and OCD Instagram space. Um, I have Alex Bishop here. Of hey, Four everybody. Love we- hey, hey, For Love We Heal on Instagram. And yeah, Alex specializes in ROCD, relationship OCD, attachment, um, relational trauma, and um, his specialty, his modality is internal family systems, which I love. So we'll talk about that a bit today. Um, but today I I reached out to Alex because of one of his posts. Um, and I'm actually just going to read the posts. And that's how we're going to get this party started. Let's do it. And Alex says in his posts, OCD is rooted in shame. OCD, in simplest of terms, is a coping mechanism that was taken on to avoid making mistakes, being wrong or bad, and ultimately feeling shame. In this sense, OCD isn't only a brain issue, but a psychological, somatic, and trauma-related response. It's not a form of neurological miswiring or faulty brain communications. It's a response to the internal pain and the avoidance of the most intolerable, intolerable of human emotions, shame. That's right. Boom. You nailed it. There, we did the whole podcast. It's all I can read. done. <laughs> yeah. So tell, take me, take me there of, yeah, what, what you found in your work and what inspired you to write this post. Well, I mean, like, in addition to my own work and healing, you know, the work that I do with my clients, it's, we're, when we're peel as we peel back the layers of the onion, as we peel back the layers of relationship anxiety or ROCD, um, and we're wanting to understand where this this pervasive doubt and need to constantly analyze and make sure that we're these people are in the right relationship and they're not making a huge mistake. Through sifting through all that, we eventually get down into uh, into the emotion of shame and the burdens that they've taken on to believe that they're bad and they're wrong and that ultimately they're a horrible person. Um, And, you know, it it links to moments in time when we're kids where, um, where we were guilt tripped, where we felt like we, uh, I don't think my mom is going to, watch this so maybe i'll give a personal example <laughs> i'm like is my mom gonna li- listen to this i don't know if i want her to hear what i'm about to say <laughs> um my my father left my mother when she, he was in and out of the house growing up a lot um and the last time that he left for good what 
you know, he didn't leave our lives. He just left my mom and he, my parents got a divorce at that point. But I was uh, seven or eight years old. And my mom went off the rails. Um, she, she, she has a tendency to be um, very rageful, um, very critical and very demanding. Um, and when she doesn't like something, she's going to let you know. And, um, that mixed with my dad leaving the house and kind of leaving her to take care of three children. Um, she was very unwell. And, um, so in combination with the guilt tripping that she would do the manipulation, the, you know, the rage that she would like. Like my mom was to the point where she would literally freak out over spilled milk, like spilling milk on the counter and her, you know, freaking out and making a big deal of it. And being a kid, a little kid, and I, I became confused on what was right or wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, if what I was about to do was going to result in, uh, in her freaking out and flying off the handle. And that every time she would fly off the handle and lose her shit, I would feel incredible shame and I'd, be, I'd feel terror because, you know, my mom, I'd be disconnected from her and she's the person that I need to rely on for support, let alone my dad leaving the house and feeling this instability in the household. I, um, you know, her losing her shit led to me feeling incredibly unstable and, and um, yeah, so so that's kind of where it started. And so with her, the way that she treated me and the way that she showed up led me to feel shame and then led me to start to obsess and ruminate around what, what am I doing that's right and what I, what's wrong and how do I vo avoid these, these um, experiences of her, you know, losing it. Um, so I became, I became, I, my main thing was uh, I would hand wash, I would door check the locks. I would make sure that my stuffed animal was was uh, positioned appropriately next to me on the bed. If I touched something with my left hand, I would have to touch it with my right hand. I would count. So these compulsions that I was doing were ways for me, number one, to have a sense of control when I felt so out of control in my environment. So I'd have a thought like um, something terrible will happen to my family or someone will break into the house and kill my family or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So the counting, the, the door locking, the checking, all that stuff were ways to uh, prevent the bad things that I perceived were happening so that I could control because of how, how out, out of control I felt inside. And um, so... And the, what I found was that, and I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I'll get to the point The the hand washing I found, and I would shower frequently were ways to cleanse how bad and wrong I felt to wash the dirtiness of off of me to try and deal with the shame that I was internally feeling. So I was, I had all these ways to either avoid feeling shame or being bad and being disconnected from and then when i did feel it compulsive attempts to try and dose the flames of the shame when it came up 
So, um, so fast forward into relationship OCD world. Um, I would have these intrusive thoughts that my partner wasn't right for me, that I wasn't attracted, that, um, you know, I was making a huge mistake and it all linked to the same thing. You know, if I'm with the wrong partner, then I'm making a mistake. And if I'm making a mistake, that means I'm wrong and that means I'm bad. And that links to the same feelings of disconnection and shame that I felt when I was a kid and that I was hurting my partner. And how, how can I be someone who hurts someone? Like I, like, you know, so that confirms the belief that I've carried that I'm terrible and I'm bad because of the way that my mom responded to me when I was just a kid doing innocent kid things. But I learned through her reflecting to me through her ragefulness that I was inherently bad. So this belief carried in and resulted in me taking on these uh, protective parts of me or these parts of me taking on these roles of perfectionism, of of obsessing of whether it's right or wrong of, you know, feeling anxious and whatever it is, is ways to protect me from feeling that way. Uh, so that's kind of, and that's, and with my clients, I mean, it's not, you know, we all have varying degrees of kind of roots to where our symptoms are, uh, have resulted in. Um, but it seems to be all around the same theme of bad wrongness and, and that. So, and I'm also interestingly enough, just through paying attention to the patterns, a lot of my clients have controlling, uh, mothers and mothers that are reactive and mothers that are nurturing on one hand, but obsessive and controlling on the other hand and very possessive and, and, um, and that, and I don't, I, I'm mindful not to label people as borderline um, because borderline is just a severe attachment issue. But it seems to me that a lot of people that deal with relationship OCD, the disorganized attachment and the, uh, the obsessive and compulsive tendencies, I'm seeing a pattern of borderline mothers. Um, so anyway, I'll leave it to you now. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's such a beautiful, like, and clear depiction of, you know, why some of us can get these obsessive tendencies and these, this need to get it right. And this need to not make mistakes. And, you know, I have found the same things with my clients. It's like, okay, not even with just relationship OCD and making the wrong decision or, you know, afraid of being abandoned, whatever the flavor of relationship anxiety is. Any other theme is also rooted in the same thing. I, you know, I've worked with clients with sexual orientation, OCD, and pedophilia, yeah. OCD. Um, it's all like, I'm afraid that at my core, I'm either like lying to myself and that means I'm a horrible person or that I, I actually have these wicked, horrible desires that of wanting to hurt my exactly. child. It's this. Exactly. This, yeah, desperate fear to the anxieties of response to the shame. The anxiety is like, how exactly. do I prove that I'm not this bad, horrible person that shame has told me my whole life that I am? And it's like almost like our OCD work is or OCD work is like identity work because there's this core belief that I'm fundamentally wrong or bad or broken or unlovable. And that, like you said, as a child, that is so 
physiologically and somatically overwhelming yeah. that we we do these obsessive compulsive behaviors to try to basically just survive the, yeah. the overwhelmingness of this belief that I'm unlovable because if I'm unlovable that means my parents might put me out on the streets and I'll die exactly. right it's like, it's, exactly it's survival physiology yeah I totally agree so to bridge off what you're saying uh I write the intense and overwhelming anxiety often experienced with OCD is often rooted in the anticipation of making a mistake as we said the reason mistakes carry such distress within the systems of those with OCD is because long ago, the narrative was formed that mistakes equal things like punishment, blame, silent treatment, going to hell in terms of religious trauma uh, and or guilt tripping and ultimately parent, parental or community withdrawal and disconnection from love and connection that was needed for safety and survival. Yes. Uh, mistakes to someone with OCD go back to the, the inner child who cannot stand the idea of losing connection with a caregiver or community and feeling bad and wrong. Uh, mistakes to connect, mistakes connect to a uh, psychological threat to one's survival, and the way to heal from this is by going back and rewriting this traumatizing narrative. I write in virtually every one of my clients, when we follow the trail from their OCD and anxiety back into childhood, we find that anxiety, OCD, and shame are intimately connected. It's through rewriting this damaging narrative that mistakes equal disconnection from love and connection that my clients experience a massive weight lifted from their shoulders. No longer are they bombarded by the burden that mistakes are intolerable. And suddenly our OCD, harm OCD, sexual orientation OCD, as you were just saying, uh, uh, began to dissolve and fade away because they're all rooted in the same stuff. And so it's, it's ultimate, you're right. I mean, like all of these forms of OCD are rooted in the same stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, the, the clients that I work with that have sexual orientation OCD, um, a lot of them carry these internalized homophobic parts. And the, the, the idea that being, being uh, gay or whatever is wrong and bad. And that because of that, they'll be disconnected from, from their family or community. And that's intolerable. So it's really all linked in the same stuff. It's all linked in the shame of unlovability um, of not being connected to. And, and ultimately that's linked to us not being able to survive because we don't have that. We need community and connection to belong and to know we're safe and we're okay. So that's why this anxiety, I was in Frank, I'm in Frank Anderson's or I just kind of, I guess I graduated from Frank Anderson, um, his consultation group, uh, his IFS consultation group. And he said that, I forget who he said does the research on this, but he said that anxiety is, is connected to uh, the loss of connection. Like anxiety is really connected to the loss of connection. So this anxiety, it's like, you're right. It's, it's linked to needing to prove whether or not we're wrong or that we're making a mistake so that we don't feel, and we don't risk this connection, this connection that we experienced when we were kids. Mm. So it's, yeah, uh, and it's a couple things when you were talking, you know, going back to like the sexual orientation, OCD, the clients I've worked with, um, their like their shame story is if i'm not being authentic then i'm a liar 
And if I'm a liar, then I'm a horrible person that yeah, I'm going to be disconnected from. And so there's this like obsessive need to make sure that you are who you say you are and yeah. that you are living in alignment with your sexual orientation. And oh my God, what if I, what if I'm not the sexual orientation I think I am and I'm living an inauthentic life and I'm That's lying, right. I'm lying to everyone around me. And um, yeah, the overwhelming fear of what if I'm lying to myself and what does yeah. that mean about me? And I'm just like living this life of lies and the the fear and the shame um, with that. And even um, like with ROCD, it's like, what if I don't actually love this person and I'm, I'm lying to myself and I'm, I'm lying to the person. And I, I had a client who had such an intense obsession around that. And when yeah. we went, when we explored like the roots of this, her mom would constantly call her a liar and yeah. like threaten to go like kick her out to leave, to live with her dad. Wow. You're a liar. You're a liar, a liar. And it's like, so there's this core wound this core belief that i'm a liar and i'm a bad person and that's and bad for being a liar right so i need to make sure that i'm not a liar because i can't tolerate the feelings that happen when my mom said that to me yes. is that what you're getting at oh yes exactly yeah and then if i'm a liar i'm going to be severely punished right you know what it's actually interesting you say that wow okay so i just had an insight what so <laughs> You're a master. Oh, master. I, uh, my mom, my mom was heavily, um, she really put forward honesty. Like, don't, do not lie to me. Prom make a promise. Mm. So like promises were heavily valued from her. And she would say, do you, what's going on? Like if I was off or something, she, what's going on nothing and she'd say do you promise so it always feel like i needed to come forward and be honest and then the problem was is that if it was if i she said so there was this her wanting me to come forward with what i was holding mm -hmm. and that if i and then if i said something that she didn't agree with or that wasn't okay then it was punishment so be honest, be honest, be honest. But then if you're honest, if I'm honest, then I would get punished for something that I was honest about. So I became like, you know, the hell oh, yeah. confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole thing of like punishment, I often find like there's shame. And then often at the root of my clients, OCD is like this punishment based system of like, if I get it wrong, if I hurt someone, if whatever happens, like there's this belief that life is punishing mm -hmm. that if I choose the wrong person and we get a divorce, like I'm miserable for the rest of my life and I'm a horrible person. There's like this, yeah, this belief that God is punishing, that just life is looking to right. punish you. And there's like a lack of grace in the system. Exactly. And yeah. I think it is, yeah, rooted from experiences in childhood where it's like the punishment was, the punishment didn't match the crime. That's right. Yeah. Or the punishment was so severe, like you're going to burn in hell for all of eternity. Yeah. You know, like there's this fear of like, I've got a life is about avoiding punishment. Exactly. Right. Or yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and if I think about, if we think about like, I mean, it's slowly changing now, but the way that our, I mean, the way that I was raised, I'll speak for myself and the way that a lot of people I know were raised 
the ways our parent parents were raised, it was all punishment based. It was like, it was like, it was like, uh, it was the, uh, you know, like reinforcement based behaviorist techniques of timeouts of whatever it is. And those are all spanking. Exactly. Those are all, and you know, getting hit with rulers in school. Oh yeah. I got a wooden wooden spoon was my weapon. Did you get the wooden spoon? Oh yeah. The wooden spoon for sure. Oh wow. Yeah. Soap in your spare, mouth. Spare whatever. the rod, spoil the child. It's biblical, right? But yeah, so wow. They use that one little verse to say, like, oh, you, if you don't spank your child, then you're spoiling yeah. that. Yeah. So exactly. So these are all shame-based ways of controlling behavior, and that also, I mean, this all ties in with not wanting to make a mistake, being perfectionistic, you know, doing the right thing, is because children are terrified of these of this it's it's horrifying for them they don't you know so i think this ties in too with with ocd and with anxiety issues and with perfectionism and so yeah i mean like all of that all of these ways that we've our society and our family have tried to control behavior well shame-based ways and it's still happening and uh you know, so we're all walking around with this shame and we're and our protective parts are trying to prevent us from feeling this in, in a majority of different ways. And uh, OCD, I think the more the extreme the system is containing the shame, the more extreme the symptoms become. And then we get oh, OCD yeah. or other severe anxiety issues uh, that start to develop because of the, the wounds that we're carrying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know with shame like you said shame is often like it starts in childhood we learn like i am bad mistakes are bad my feelings are bad yeah exactly yeah Every, everything about me there's something wrong with me and so like you said in, in your other post it's like healing the root of ocd healing shame is about disconnecting the the concept that if i make a mistake or if I'm imperfect, or if I'm human, that I'm, you know, worthy of hell or worthy of punishment, like disconnecting those things in the system yeah. and creating these new somatic experiences of I can be imperfect, I can make mistakes, and I'm not going to lose connection. And, you know, I know in your work and with my work, it's like, we're not going to lose connection with our inner child, like our inner child is learning that we as the adult are not going to disconnect from them. And that's right. Shame them. And continue to punish them because we often take in that punishment mindset and we punish ourselves and we shame exactly. ourselves. Exactly. We shame yeah. our inner child. And so it's like rebuilding that relationship even with our inner child of like, if we if you make a mistake, if you're not perfect, I'm not here to punish you. I'm gonna have a compassionate, loving voice yeah. towards you. And I'm gonna create this inner system of safety and security where you know that no matter what you're loved and that I'm not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And cause we have these, we have the, the inner child and then we have the, the, the critics inside of us that, that oftentimes take on the energy of our parents. Uh, so we can have a legacy burden that, and, and we have, and we can have these parts that take on these roles to continually shame us so that we don't, we don't act in the same ways that led to the external shaming of our parents. 
So we mm-hmm. take that on as a way to control our behavior and then not continually do that and then start and to keep feeling the shame. Um, and I would say, you know, we, we want to, as the self or the adult in us that can be with our parts to bring love and compassion to the parts of us that carry the shame, which oftentimes have a really hard time taking that love in because they're yep. like, I don't deserve it, you know? And, um, so it's, it can take time. And also seeing if we can, we want to bring love and understanding and curiosity to the critics as well, because we want, we want to help the critics to number one, let go of the energy that they took on from our parents. Cause that doesn't belong in our systems. It's right. not ours. And it probably goes back way further than our parents in our, oh, yeah. you know, in our generational line. So we clear we can clear that out, but really understanding why the critic had to take on its role of doing what it did, because that would, that makes sense too. Right. I mean, in, you know, in order for us to not continually feel shame, we had to find a way to deal and navigate our environment, which was to shame ourselves into behaving in a certain way, which is what we find a lot in OCD is there's a huge internal critic that's oh, yeah. constantly trying to manage us to prevent us from. So we have, cause we have the obsessive parts that say, what if, what if, what if, and, and you know, what if I'm making a mistake that trying to prevent us from making mistakes. And then we have the statement parts that say, you know, you're horrible, you know, you're making like, you need to leave whatever it is. And those are the ones that are tr- also trying to help us. It's harder to bring compassion and understanding to them because they're so harsh, but when we can kind of peel back the layers of why they have had to do that, then it makes sense too. Cause often these critics, they don't even, they don't want to criticize us. They don't want to continually berate the child in us. Yeah, I feel um, like they have to, in order to keep us from doing something that would result in shame. Like if I can criticize exactly. myself, I keep myself in control and then I'm not going to do something that's going to result in me being shamed. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I mean, like you look at, you look at virtually all of these psychological issues that people are dealing with out there. And I would venture to say that most of them, if not all of them are rooted in shame. I agree. You know, it's all rooted in that stuff. It's all, it's all the absence of love. It's all the disconnection. It's all of that links to most of the psychological issues we're dealing with. And, um, and I think that the way through and the way to heal it all is to bring is to bring what was missing, which is love in, in, into these parts. And that's what heals our wounds. And um, so, yeah, it's all kind of rooted in shame. And it's so interesting because a lot of most of my clients, they have a sneaky undertone of shame, even in the healing process that I have to I'm healing so that I can achieve perfection so that I'm worthy. Yeah. I, if I still have this struggle, if I still get triggered, then I've messed up. So even the shame that underlies the OCD comes into the healing process and exactly. we can then get a perfectionistic approach to healing of like, why am I still getting triggered by this? Why am I not healed yet? What am I doing wrong? I must be doing something wrong. And so even, exactly. even the approach to healing can very sneakily become another avenue for shame to come in. And I love that yeah. you 
you're saying is like the, the way to heal this stuff is through love. You know, unconditional love and compassion for ourselves and for the different parts of us who are carrying this hurt, the parts of us who are obsessive, the parts of us who are anxious, the parts of us who are, you know, so, so believing that they're unworthy and yeah. to not add more perfectionism to the process itself. That's right. And, and I'm bringing I, just a name for people who might be listening right now or that will be listening to this. It sounds a little bit cliche to like, like, yeah, just love yourself, love your parts. It's not just bring love to yourself. It's it's find the place in you. And this is I you're it's probably you'll have to do this through therapy. I mean, this is like I think, you know, right? I think in order to get to that place within ourselves that is love, that can be unconditionally loving. Um Let me backtrack a little bit. So it's not just find a way to bring love to these parts of you. It's, it's, it's knowing that there's a place inside of each of us that is love that has these capacities of love, of curiosity, of connectedness. And it's, it's actually literally going inside into the parts that are there and, and giving that to them. It's forming a relationship with them. I think, you know, I think obviously self-compassion work is really beneficial, like just basic, like, you know, thinking of yourself and, and sending yourself love and compassion, but there's a more direct way to go about it where we're actually connecting to the individual parts who carry the wounds and giving it to them. So it's like, I, I think I made a post of like, there's a difference between kind of passive inner child work where you're just imagining a child version of yourself and giving them that, which can be helpful for sure. But there's, there's more, there's, there's separate childlike parts for yes. moments in time. Right. I mean, there's specific, there's parts for different memories. There's, so there's a, there's a more direct way to go about it. And, yeah. uh, Anyway, you, you want like to you said, that. it's not like general self love and positive vibes. It's yeah. like when I get triggered, immediately connecting. Okay, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling that trigger? What part of me? What's happening? What part of me is so afraid right now? What part of me is being activated? And yeah. in that moment, directly, like you said, building that relationship with that part and reteaching that part that you're safe, that you're loved. That's right. And so, yeah, it is this very direct, um, hands-on process where it's often not just like love and positive vibes. It's like snot running down your face because you're being yeah. with this part that's holding so much pain and you're feeling it with them. And you're like, I see you, I see you, I see you. I love you. Like I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And it's, yeah, that's, and sometimes those parts are resistant or, you know, they, they don't trust it yet. Yeah, exactly. So it, right. It's a continual engaging with these parts of us and showing them like, you can trust me. You are safe with me. You are safe with my capital S self. I'm here. I love you. And again, it takes a lot of time and building that relationship. And over time, that part is like, you know what? I am safe with you. So I think I can relax yeah. now. It's, it's tragic because like, these parts of us have almost 
never received any type of love at all. Like they're, I mean, and you know, we're all walking around. A lot of people have never received genuine love. That's crazy. That's crazy. You, know, you we wonder why we're all so fucked up mm. and why our society we're missing this key component to a healthy thriving culture which is love and connection and being with one another and belonging and taking care of one another and looking after one another and not judging one another or it's not it's impossible to not judge one another but to don't be able to, to not shame each other right yeah and we're missing that and and our and our parts that are our parts need that so i mean it's it's really i think that um what this healing work does and because we all have the capacity to do it we all have it in us it doesn't have to be cultivated it's already there the the healing work that we do with our parts i think has the potential to start to shift and change the world around us because people are going to the more that we embody our own loving through healing ourselves and through healing our parts, and the more that our protective system steps back to allow that to come through, um, people become people just by the byproduct of us being more in that state can be in contact with that energy that we hold about us and they start to feel what it's like. I think we've talked about the kind of ripple effect that the healing work has, but um yeah, I think that love and connection is really missing around us. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, this is, when we connect with that essence and that energy of love, we then become the catalyst for cultural change. Like We so do. We embody the very, we embody within our own system, the very system we want to see outside of us. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And we're able to relate to other people with more love and compassion and understanding and, you know, just deeper connection. Because if, if we're living in shame, that's inherently feeling disconnected and isolated and, and separate, exactly. from, separate from ourselves, separate from one another. And we hide parts of ourselves because, oh, my gosh, if if people saw this part of me, they would hate me. I would be shamed. And so we we're inherently more disconnected from one another when we're yeah. living in shame. But exactly as, as we're doing this work and embodying more of this love, it allows us first to have more connection with ourselves and then deeper connection with one another. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. We have, we have the coolest job in the world. So <laughs> <laughs> we do. I love it. I love it so much. I'm, I'm I've become obsessed with this work. So <laughs> I just love it so much and it's oh well, it's just I mean it's it's truth right we're we get we're in direct contact with truth and and I think that we, we get to hold space for people and we hear things that no one has ever shared with anyone in their lives and you know and they should have been able to share these their feelings with people and you know it, it's like we're I, I I do some I often sit in awe with people where I'm like this is just like, it's so sacred to be able to hold space for this stuff. And, and I, and it baffles me that like, I look around, like I, wa I went to the park the other day 
with Dion and Forrest and there was a there was a set of parents and their kids and their daughter was probably like you know 12 or something she's like daddy can you put can you push me around on this chair thing this spinny chair thing he's like no you go and do it yourself i'm busy over here and i'm like i'm like oh my god it just felt i could feel my child part being like just hurting just resonating with her and how you know how much let down and how maybe how that made her feel like worthless and not enough for her dad to come and do it for her and you know she kept asking him and he kept refusing the connection and it's like you know like i think it's it, it happens so frequently where the parents are disconnected from themselves and they don't know they didn't have the connection that they needed and they feel shameful around being open and playful with their kids and then it just continues so and i'm here like walking forests and showing them the the play sets and whatever and uh what happened was i don't know if he this is this is my interpretation of what happened he then he, I think through seeing me do it, it gave him permission to do it. Cause as soon as he saw me being playful with Forrest, he got up and started playing with his daughter. So I think we're just talking about how, you know, when we're in that, we're giving other people permission to be able to yes. be authentic and, you know, so I don't know where I'm going with that. I was just kind of flowing out my well, mouth. It's just the, the ripple effect thing we were talking yeah. about and, you know, it's so vulnerable for people who live in shame to be playful and expressive and connected. Yeah. So vulnerable. And so, yeah, like you said, a lot of parents carry shame. And so it feels so risky to be open and expressive and playful and connected with their children because they're so disconnected from themselves. But yeah. you embodying that connection and that love and that playfulness, yeah, like you said, gives other people permission to take that risk and open up too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that's what that's what this work does is it gives us permission to be all that we are and it, we give other people permission to do the same. Yeah. And for everyone listening like the, if you when you start to heal that shame and as you do that as your protectors start to step back you get to experience your relationship in a whole new way because no longer are you confined by shame and fears of disconnection and being half removed from the relationship and constantly ruminating and doubting. And you're able to embrace your partner more and find more love and connection and share that with your partner. And it's, uh, I think the healing of the shame is really key in, in, in fully permanently healing relationship. OC. And not to say like, not to say that the the tools and the practices and all that are, aren't helpful. I think they're great. And a lot of tools can help us get in touch with that shame, like your movement stuff and the dance and movement with the stuff that you do. Um, but I think what we want to work towards is really uncovering the history that has resulted in what we're dealing with. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And getting getting to the core of it so it's not just symptom management for the rest of our life it's, yeah exactly where where is this coming from and how can i let those parts of me know that it's safe to relax now and then those parts 
you know, I hear a lot of people in the OCD community. It's like, I feel like I'm just forcing myself then to stay. It's like when you actually heal the root, the parts of you that are so resistant to loving, yeah, and you feel like you're fighting against and you're forcing yourself, you go from forcing to allowing. These exactly. parts then relax and they allow you to finally fully participate in the relationship and feel that connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, this, this was a fantastic conversation. <laughs> As always, and I know it's going to be so helpful and illuminating for so many people. And yeah, I mean, my work has really moved very intensely into shame work um, because the more I've worked with people with OCD and anxiety, the more that I see that you can't. Well, it, talk. Yeah. yeah. It's can't trauma talk about work. It yeah. Yeah. It's trauma work. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not CR CBT. It's not e uh, ERP. It's it's none of that. It's it becomes it becomes trauma work, and we're and and really healing these these parts of us, you know. So that's why I really encourage people, and I and I get that ERP and and some different approaches are really helpful, but I really want to encourage you to start to start to think and reflect on what it was like to be a kid and to see if we can set aside the minimizing parts of us who don't want our who don't want to be believe that anything that our parents did anything wrong mm -hmm. oh i see that all the time yeah and and those parts can those parts can make it seem like like for me when i first started my counseling program i didn't think i had i thought my childhood was fantastic I was like, I had my, I had everything I needed, you know, but I did. I, and, you know, I, I found that there were parts of me that were really wanting to defend my parents and defend my mom and not, you know, but I, I think that the way forward is just considering the fact that your parents didn't intentionally do anything wrong. They're, they're, they didn't, they didn't seek out to hurt you or cause you this. They're just acting from their own burdens and what they have taken on. And, uh, and you know, so that, that makes me think about the, all the people that have messaged me, like in the OCD community that says OCD isn't root, rooted in trauma and, or in shame or whatever. I am curious to see if maybe they have those same minimizing parts or those or, or dissociative parts who blank out your memories altogether and, and, you know, where you are completely disconnected from your past, you know, as a way to not have to deal with the shame that's in there. Um, yep. Because it's so intolerable. Yeah. So peeling back the layers on your history to see where the hell is this coming from? Because it's not, it's the, the intensity of the experience of OCD and relationship anxiety is not, it has to come from somewhere. It's not just a, you don't just have this because you're eating, you know, like fixing your diet or, or doing all this, these things are great and shifting the way of thinking is great. But in order to permanently shift the way that you're feeling the anxiety, the obsessiveness and stuff, we have to look on where it's really rooted in. It doesn't just come from nowhere. It's not just a, it's not a miswiring. It's not a, it's not, you know, you're, your nervous system is dysregulated and, and that, but it's cut, it's caused from yeah. childhood experiences. So yeah. anyway, I digress. 
I agree. And I know that, uh, you know, we seem like bad, bad people in the eyes of the ERP community. <laughs> it, but it's a, it's a both end. It's like, yes, these things are helpful. And why isn't okay? Why isn't it okay to look and see if maybe there's more going on here? Like, yeah. What, yeah. Like what, what's so bad about saying, you know what? We as humans are complex and we have lots of layers to our psyche and why not look yeah. at more than just well because we're all we're all traumatized. I mean, we're all we all have trauma. It's just it's impossible to get through life without experiencing adverse ex childhood experiences. You know, like it's it's inevitable for us to run into uh for like our parents are gonna screw up. I screw up all the time with my son. Like, I, and I know I do. And, and I think what's important is I take steps to, to apologize if I, you know, lose my cool or whatever, but we're, we're going to screw up our kids in one way or another. Like our parents aren't, our parents aren't, uh, void of, of errors and, and, uh, mistakes. So, uh, Let's let's just yeah. know that. Yeah, and embrace that. Like, yeah, being a human is freaking hard, and yeah, as a result of living on this planet, we're gonna have experiences that kind of stay with us. Yeah, need to be processed through, and that there's nothing exactly. That doesn't mean you're broken or damaged, or that like, oh, you're just you're just victimizing yourself, and you're just blaming it all on your trauma and your childhood. If I fucking hear that one more time, I swear. Do you God. hear that a lot? see it on, on on other instagram therapy accounts like not everything is from your childhood not everything is trauma and it's like i i get what you're trying to say you know to not like to not use that as an excuse to avoid responsibility oh yeah and, yeah and for people who are already having these parts that downplay yeah that's just further validating like see see i'm just I can't blame it on my childhood. I can't look at my childhood because it wasn't that bad. And so why am I? There are people who have it way worse. So why do I need to look I know, at it? right? Yeah. Way worse. And yeah, so I just why why not be curious about your yeah, childhood? And it's and what it's I, I think it can be empowering too because we if we know where it comes from, like our burden, our wounds aren't unhealable. Right. So if we know where it comes from, we could, we have the ability to heal it. And through these different approaches that we're both teaching and that we both, uh, you know, like offer, if we, if we, if it is linked to our past, which a lot of it is, and from the burdens that we've taken on from our family and our culture and the legacies and all, and all of that stuff, you know, maybe there, I mean, there's definitely an element of the things that people struggle with that come from like, you know, like diet comes into play with a lot of things and exercise does too. But, you know, trauma is a huge piece of why I think like the majority of, you know, why our culture is so disconnected. So uh, anyway. Yeah. We're, we're all just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're on the same wavelength there. And yeah, it's, I, I'm not interested in just looking at the surface of, Oh, that was a loud thing. Um, yeah, I'm not interested in just looking at the surface. Like I, I'm always curious about myself and it, it also doesn't come from an obsessive place. Like I'm going to figure out where this comes from. Yeah. So yeah. I hear 
uh, clients like where did this come from and if i don't if i can just figure out where this came from then it'll just go away oh right so it's like it's taking a, a curious approach it's a balance right like not minimizing our experience and discounting like oh my childhood wasn't that bad but also yeah. not being like if i could just figure out where this the one root of it all it's like no it's a combination a culmination like you said oh yeah factor. it's complex cultural factors like I, I always say that you know relationship anxiety or ocd is like you know it's like a, a cake and there's a lot of different recipes and factors that go into making a cake or there's a lot of different yep. ingredients so yep. it's not just one thing and once you find the one thing that started it all it'll all just dissolve it's like no there's cultural factors and you know family heritage stuff and religious factors and even from school yeah. conditioning like there's just so many things and we don't need to get overwhelmed by that it's not like we have to figure that all out at once like through this process we that stuff kind of reveals itself one little chunk at a time and we meet that part of us bring that compassion that healing that validation to that part and exactly it's, it's an ongoing process that's right yeah and okay. also lots of nuance <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. It's an ongoing process, but it doesn't have to feel like a life sentence. And it doesn't always have to feel so hard because when I say to people, like it's an ongoing process, like I'm going to feel it this way forever. It's like when you first started out, it feels so intense because you're finally yeah. looking at the pain that you've been avoiding or your parents yeah. protecting you from. So it feels really intense at first, but I'm promising you it's not going to feel that intense always. No, absolutely not. I mean, if 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 it was if if we were just if we were just drudging up trauma to to be aware of it and we weren't able to do anything about it what would be the point of, of yeah. bringing yeah, it to just, awareness well, leave it in there if you can't do anything about it but uh but there's a there's a quality that we can bring of being with your experience or, or experiences of being with the parts of us that carry the trauma where it's not overwhelming for our systems right. and where we can we can from ourself we can be with the part and we can help it to process the experiences that where it took on these beliefs and these and where other parts took on the the protection to to make sure we don't feel it again but uh yeah i mean like i've had i've been i've talked directly to some of my like some of my clients parts will come forward and they'll say like what's the point what's the point in in drudging all this stuff up if we you know and if, uh, cause I don't, I don't believe, I believe it's happened. It's happened. It's happened. And there's nothing we can do about that. And I say, I get that. Like, I get that. If you believe that we can't do anything about it, if you believe it can't be healed, then why the hell would we bring it up? And I say to them, I know that we can heal it. Like I would, and I say to them, I would not take you in here. I would not take so-and-so client in here. If I didn't think that we could do something about that. So I say, I'm really confident that we can do it. And I know that we can. So would you be willing to trust us to, to try it out and see what happens? And they're because a lot of our parts don't have the belief that we can't heal trauma. And, and we've been told in, in some like, you know, for I'm not 100% on the data on this or who's who's actually said it, but like some of the research in like from like uh what was it like cbt or other approaches say that you can't like it was long thought that you can't heal the past you can't change the past 
So you got to learn how to deal with the symptoms that show up as a result of it. And it turns out that we can. And there's, there's science now, memory reconsolidation is the, is research that's showing that we can literally change the, the uh, atmosphere of the past as it lives inside of us. And there's brain, there's studies that are showing that, that this is possible. He's so cute. My dog's stretching. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I, I see it all the time. And so it's that it is possible. And yeah, I mean, even if you look up like how to treat anxiety, like on Google, it says like CBT and lifelong symptom management. And how does <laughs> that, how disheartening, like how disheartening that must feel to be yeah. dealing with something as overwhelming and as hellish as anxiety. Yeah. And to be told that your only hope is to talk about it and just manage it for the rest of your life. Yep. That's exactly it. I, I have clients that come to me and, you know, usually in one of the first sessions that they have and they say, um, they say, well, I, I know that it's, I know that it's not possible to like fully be free from this, but I do want to learn how to manage it. And I say to them, that's no, I say, no, like you can totally heal this permanently. It's, it's not going to be a one and done thing. We're not going to do it in a couple sessions. It's going to be a long process of permanently healing it. But for them to know that it is absolutely doable. Like, so, and it, that's a shift for people because a lot of people don't think, right. They learn, they've gone to ERP. They learn that it's not rooted in trauma. They learn how to manage their, you know, the symptoms through exposures and and through not engaging in whatever. And uh, it is, it's, I feel like it, it is very disempowering. It's not intentionally disempowering people because the people that they, they do believe that it's not possible and they're, they're not up to date on the research. And they're so, but I think that, um, I think that more and more, I think the landscape in therapy is changing now. There's a lot more coming out on trauma. Gabor Mate is really shifting the landscape on, on childhood experiences and so anyway, I, I think the landscape's really changing and, and I'm happy to see that. And I hope I hope that more and more people very quickly identify that um, a lot of these things are rooted in trauma and that we can heal trauma. And uh, and a lot of the help out there, I hope that more and more people are going to start to shift to em- embodying more of these models that help us actually heal trauma mm-hmm. versus talk about it and manage it. Mm-hmm. Because... Talk therapy is not enough. CBT is not enough. It's, it's just not. There, there are tools for the toolbox, right? There, there are tools that we can use and, and integrate. And, you know, sometimes the symptoms are so intense that we need to focus on symptom management before processing deep shit. Like there's, yeah. a, there's a place for it all. And it's not the full picture, right? And, and more stuff's coming out about the body. And, you know, somatic work is becoming the trend like now. Which yeah. it's not a trend, it's real, but like, you know, know for, you so long, for so long, you know, me as a dance therapist, I'm seen as like the alien, the weird one. And it's like, well, now everyone's like, yeah. oh, we need to involve the body. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think you're doing great. I, I think you're, you're doing great work and the involving the body. I, I would actually, in my healing work, I, I think I would benefit from doing more involving my body ifs is somatic Mm -hmm. like we identify the body but it's not 
and it can be movement based, like, you know, move with your parts and stuff. But I think I would benefit from doing some of that, like, you know, really just intentionally using the body and knowing parts because so yeah it's so cool when you can combine those things yeah okay let's identify this part if this part could something i say if this part of you could borrow your body how would it hold itself how like what movements would it do like what's the quality of how it feels in your body so i mean yeah it's just it's yeah i mean go ahead take it (laughs) and it just helps people to kind of externalize the parts a little bit more and get get to know them in a different way and maybe feel them more clearly um, just to have like a very visceral understanding of how that part manifests when it takes over. Exactly. Yeah. Your body. Yeah. And a lot of it, I see a lot of clients, you know, they're like, I I feel like I want to like curl up in the fetal position. I'm like, let's do a fetal position. Like, yeah. What's it like here? Like what's happening? You know what? So just getting, yeah, it's just another inroad, but you know, I love, I love parts work. I love IFS and um, yeah, all yeah. these different like holistic integrative approaches that see you as a whole person and understands that your life experiences leave a mark on you. And so like, exactly. let's, let's look at that. Let's look at you as a whole person and hear your story and, and yeah, honor the parts of you who have lived through different things. Yeah. And I think, I think the, I think if we can use IFS as a, as a, a framework and we can, we can surrounding IFS or not necessarily even IFS, but parts, because knowing about parts gives us a whole new way of healing because we're working so closely with how our system is organized because they're, this is what they are. This is what it is. I mean, we're, we're a collection of multiple different parts of us. And each of them do different things. And that's, they, they're holding what's causing our, our distress. And they're, so if we can use movement, if we could use whatever sound, if we can use and, and know that we're working directly with parts, if we can use that as a way to know that the parts are showing up, it it's, it's, I think it's, it gives us a massive potential for healing because we're not working around parts or, you know, but when we can know that they're parts, we have a way, you know, it just, it allows us to do a lot more, I think. Oh yeah. Um, I, I don't think I could do this work without parts work. You know, it's, yeah. it's also creates a degree of separation because people are like, oh, I'm having the doubts. And then they feel like they're fighting with themselves. And there's like this incongruence within their, their systems. Like, no, this is a part of you. Yeah look at the part of you who's having all these doubts and let's look at the part of you who like really loves this person and wants to stay, you know, like, yeah. and then it's like, Oh, there's like this relief of like, Oh, this isn't the entirety of who I am. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not living in an authentic life. I'm not living incongruently. There's a part of me that has been there for a long time. That is feeling a lot of feelings. Exactly. Yeah. It makes more sense to people, right? Like it, it yeah. really does. It, it makes more sense to people for them to know that they're not one mind. There are many minds. And, and like, for example, I mean, a great example is I I don't, I blanked on what you said. So I'm hoping I'm not repeating what you, (laughs) 
you do repetition. I love repetition. Repetition is beautiful. Like anxious avoidant parts, mm -hmm. like parts parts that want to leave, that want to convince you to leave, and parts that are desperate for connection and need to stay in the relationship. People don't. People are so confused. Why at the same time do I want to leave, and why do I feel like I want to stay? Like what? Mm -hmm. And uh, when they know that, well, and 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 why why does it feel like I need to break up? Like yeah. why why am I having these breakup urges? Because part of you wants to break up. <laughs> That's yeah. usually startling for people because they're like, "Well, what does that mean?" Right. And that, well, no, it's not that. It's not that they just want to break up. Like, let's look at that a little bit deeper. Yeah. Why? <laughs> you know, like, why does part of you want to break up? And then through uncovering that, people gain more awareness around their history. Okay, well, it's because that they. They don't want to be hurt or let down or rejected or or abandoned or whatever it is, whatever the reasons our avoidant parts are trying to get us to leave the relationship. But parts allows us to, as you said, know that we're not that. We're none of that. We're not the parts. And and we we are the space inside that can be with our experience. And we are resourced and we are grounded and we are, you know, and we actually don't get shaken by even if the relationship didn't work out, not that it's right or wrong, but if, if the relationship doesn't work out in self, I'm okay. And, and if I know about parts, I can be with the parts that are grieving. I can be with the parts that are experiencing this, this tremendous loss. So it really gives us power over our, and our ability to be with our experience and navigate overwhelm. If we know that we're not that. Yeah. We're, an analogy I use a lot, you know, like you're talking about the capital S self and IFS, you know, the eight C's, which is like compassion, curiosity. I forgot the rest of them, but uh, yeah, calm, calm connectedness, it's like, courage, creativity. Yes. I tell my clients, like, it's like, you are the sky. You're nothing can like, that's the unmovable, the unshakable backdrop of the weather it's like you can have these massive storms these massive clouds where maybe it's hard for you to see the sky but knowing like the sky didn't go anywhere and you know that the storm will pass like but when we when we think we're the clouds or we're the storm yeah we feel like so chaotic inside we feel so dysregulated so being able to access this part of us that's that's always there yeah unshakable unmovable you know, allows us to hold the space for this big storms for the parts of us that have all these emotions and all this pain. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's vital. I had a client the other day, and uh, she she had a part that came up that we were working with another set of parts, but this one came up and it wasn't trusting or something. So we just got curious about it and it said, it said, what if I through all of these experiences, what if I just lost who i am like what if i don't know who i am and i said we just said just see if this part like we got it to separate and soften and allow self to come in and uh and i i said and when she, she was really she really got into self i mean she was just emanating it you can feel it when they're in it i mean you just like so i said you know who you are now she's like i do now i know right and then i said offer that to the parts show the parts who you are right and you got me tearing I mean, up over here <laughs> it's incredible i mean 
it's there it's right here it's just behind these layers of of uh protection and wounding and so i think uh, uh yeah you're doing a great job Alex. thank you got me crying i'm not even your client <laughs> so so beautiful and yeah just i love this work so much it's the best yeah it's pretty fun should we thank call you. it here yeah thank you for sharing all your expertise and your knowledge and yeah taking us on a journey here so yeah, Alex, if anyone wants to find you and learn more about your work, where can they find you? So right now, mainly my Instagram. So it's at for love we heal. Um, and my website, which is alexbishopcounseling.com. No, it's not that anymore. <laughs> it's for, it's for love we heal .com. <laughs> I'll put all that in the show notes so that people can just go directly to it and, and click it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks. All right, everybody. Chat with you next time.